0: on the substance a podcast aimed at being biblical thoughtful and human join us every other week as we engage the culture without the culture war i'm your host trevor aiken joined here by two of my buddies my co-hosts my friends the folks you want to hear vincent edwards what's going on and phil marinella
1: hey everybody
0: what's going on fellas how's it going today man i'm good i'm excited excited to be on mic i'm glad to be with you guys it's been like it's been a minute because
1: with the bi-weekly schedule, we batched a few at the front, and then we're like, "Yo, we could go a month or so without recording well, and still yeah. be really fine." So well, yeah, we had uh, like
0: Labor Day. We actually got to take a holiday, which was yeah, kind of nice. Birthday
1: week, I got off.
0: Boom, and then we nice. had a meeting and got to talk about stuff and talk shop. And so here that we would are, be, recording again. Yeah, this would be the for one stuff, that
1: we've kind of had on the old whiteboard music. since like the beginning. We yeah. had it on here for this has been cooking a minute.
0: What was I think the last time we, we were like, all right, we're, we maybe we'll publish this. Uh, we might might actually sit down and record this. Like March, <laughs> yeah, March. <laughs> here, here, here it is. The...
1: Right here we are.
2: So, yeah. uh, what is the substance, guys? Absolutely, the substance is a Christian variety show. Um, every other week, we talk about um, things that are pertaining to Christianity, culture, and the arts. Um, some guests that you might have heard or that you should hear um, is Propaganda, Jamar Tisby, Alyssa Wilkinson, Barnabas Piper, KSP, mm. uh, Justin Gibney. Um, and we've had those guests on here. We also, like this episode, we just talk amongst ourselves and just enjoy some conversation with, with us and with you. Um, and then at the end, we do have a segment called Substance Shoutouts where we share with you things that we've been listening to um, or just indulging in that we find uh, edifying and enjoyable. So if you are returning, thanks for coming back. And if you are new, thanks for, thanks for listening.
0: Yeah,
1: And if you've been with us for a while, uh, listeners, so we say we're a Christian variety show. Uh, we recently got some feedback saying like, hey, I don't know what that is or what that means. So like if you've been listening to The Substance a long time, you might know what that means. Like DM us, send us an email, send us a voicemail. It's 2022. Let us know how you describe <laughs> The Substance. Let us know if we could be any clear. We say we're a variety yeah. show because sometimes it's an interview. Sometimes we're talking a book. Sometimes we're talking a film. Sometimes we do. A long form reflects like this. Sometimes we do toss-ups with several topics. So it makes sense to us, but we want to be as, as listener-friendly as possible.
0: Yep. Yeah. Basically, like, if you like a, ideas and engaging in the culture and are not adverse to a Christian perspective on those kind of things, done in a thoughtful way. And don't want the same
1: thing every single episode.
0: Yeah. Then, then the substance is a show for you. Boom. And... You will have we have big back catalog uh stuff that you can listen to. I yeah, think, we do. I feel like I can say it's it like a hundred plus episodes. Yeah, we got yeah. over 100 and 100 now there.
1: that we've gone to bi I'm super impressed. I don't know if people are being very good listeners and sharing like crazy, or we're just finding more people organically. Like the listens are very much still there on those off weeks that we don't have new episodes. So uh it's encouraging. Thank you guys.
0: Yeah. I have a friend of mine who uh says it's like sitting down and talking culture and theology with a buddy of yours over a beer or something. So thanks, man.
2: Refreshing. Yeah.
1: Maybe we can uh, send a listener. Maybe we can do a contest and send someone a six pack.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: Casey be the has first a lot of ideas. Yeah. Could we be the first Christian podcast to send our listeners beer?
0: I doubt that That's heavily. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I'm pretty sure there's like Bible and beer is like... Uh, I'm like sure there are one. several. Hey, there's like a so, genre of podcasts. Since we're here. just
1: talking here before we jump in, I, I saw an article. Well, everyone says, oh, there's like 2 million podcasts or something like that. There's under 200,000 that are regularly on a schedule putting out content. So, yeah, there's like 2 to 3 million or whatever, but there's only like around like 150 to 170 who are regularly putting out content. So we're we're up there. And not a lot of those are in the religion and spirituality. So uh, I was pleased to see that.
0: Yeah, man. No, it's really good. Yeah. For this week, I mean, this one that we've, like we said, we've been ruminating on it, thinking about it for a while. And thinking how to make it an
1: actual episode that is good and doesn't blow up in our faces and cause us,
0: (laughs) and like just unleash the trolls on us because we don't have time for that it's, yeah well i mean we don't but at the same time like you know sometimes we just get trolled anyway you know what i mean well, like I, dude somebody got oh. our stinking email and signed the substance
1: at <laughs> for every stupid thing
0: that's yeah. true this this <laughs> this, is, this did happen please stop but yeah i i think with with this one like we talk about in our in our podcast. We engage the culture without the culture war, and we think about that as like something that sets us apart in a way from Christian cultural commentary podcasts in general. Because For many, yeah, a lot of them, like not all of them, but a lot of them, have a very similar take, and it's very driven by culture war. Mm. And this is a topic that's very interesting in that lens because. Part of the culture war, which we've talked about many times on the show before, is race, right? And yeah. um, that's kind of the unacknowledged, kind of background wavelength undertones in a lot of the culture war stuff. Mm-hmm. And we we take very non-standard, but we think are biblical and just positions on on that topic. But what's interesting in here is like this is also like what at least. A lot in the Christian world who do engage in the culture war would say is like the key culture war issue in a way. Sexual ethics, the sexual revolution, or things like that. Like our topic today, what is the sexual ethic and how can we approach that together? Like that's huge. Yeah, pretty much since the 60s,
1: people have kind of built ministries, platforms, (laughs) money making ministries off of. Kind of stoking fear around this topic. And here's the things that here are our enemies in the culture. Here are the people that are trying to influence the next generation. Here are the people who are trying to like destroy society, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. we just want to approach it and it's like we do with everything else, but just be very kind of thoughtful and careful because it's both something that has been done very poorly for a lot, but it's also genu- like mm-hmm. a very sensitive thing. This yeah. touches like. <laughs> actually like the most intimate parts of people's lives
2: yeah very true and i think when it comes to the question like should we be talking about this absolutely is it a sensitive topic 100 percent. and we are we're always seeking to do it in a way that is truthful but loving yeah and i don't think those things are are opposed to one another. In fact, I would suggest that they are inextricable from one another. Yeah. Um, And so we 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 want to have kind of a, a bedrock of just being able to talk about this openly. Uh, bedrock or <laughs> a bedrock. I, bed bed ground. Ground. I a mean, bed we're, we're getting into the sexual topics here, I guess. <laughs> on the is. floor <laughs> oh. <laughs> Bedrock of being able to establish kind of where we are, um, where we're thinking that this conversation at least should go. And then from that, we can build on, on different subjects and topics um, as we move forward. And uh, hopefully, we'll be able to address without giggling like schoolboys somehow. Like, I don't know. It's just the, the bedrock, my it's
0: bad. Faux pause
1: on this topic. <laughs> so bad. This
0: is the best. I think one of the things that comes to mind for me is just the reality. I feel like this is real. Like, man, I push hard against any sort of, in general on this podcast, against any sort of, well, back in my day, kind of sentiment. Because because one, fundamentally, I believe that the essence of what it means to be human, the fundamental problems of human nature and human struggle and suffering and, and identity and redemption and all of those things have not changed. Mm-hmm. And they certainly haven't changed in the last 100 years. So, so I tend to push back against any, any form of nostalgic look backs on a, a different time. That being said, it does feel like in this particular topic itself, so many things have changed. It feels like during our lifetime which is not that long yeah so like how do you figure yeah a couple of things right like we've talked many times Phil and even on this podcast about like what's acceptable in comedy sure mm-hmm. like Chappelle show 2002 2003 um, yeah versus you know him getting cancelled and you know supposedly not really you can't cancel Dave Chappelle in really. like 2021 not right? a political
1: like, statement by the way <laughs>
0: Go <laughs> cool, cool. listen to our episode on cancel culture, um, but uh, you know that's that's one example. We've talked many times about Kevin Hart. Um, we've, <laughs> yes, we've been
1: wrong about Kevin Hart many times. Yes,
0: you have. Um, and also, I mean, Supreme Court decisions, technological advances, the well, you I mean, know we, smartphone, behind the access scenes... to con- sexual content that the people, you know, all that stuff has changed drastically during our lifetime. Yeah, We've talked about this with primarily substantive cinemas, but I mean, with any
1: of the media we talk about, I mean, we have listeners sometimes who recommend things and sometimes we're looking at, well, what do we even want to cover on the show in like a, a positive, affirming way to the audience? Like these things are, and I mean, you can see, you look at the cultural products and they do kind of go in a wave. Like there was definitely some like gnarly, gnarly stuff. Mm. um, in the seventies and even like before ratings existed in the U S like it does kind of go on a cycle, but I mean, you look at some of the stuff that's out there, you're now, you're like, man, some of these things are grappling with interesting ideas, but man, it's, it's pretty explicit. And like, how do we, Mm -hmm. how do we navigate the ethics of what can we engage in? What can we kind of affirm other human beings doing with their bodies and saying like, I want to put my time and eyeballs and money and support that so that they can keep Doing those things with those real human beings that have real effects on them, like oh man, that's all that's all part of it.
0: Yeah. It's all part of it. Um, and the even changes within the church. I mean, what would be considered a traditional Christian Orthodox approach to sexual ethics has been questioned, challenged. Um, does the Bible really say that? Is there authority in scripture? Yeah, how do we <laughs> read the Bible? Written, Like, how do we yeah, read the sure. Bible? But even within that, you know, let's say we read the Bible the same, does it does it actually mean that? Or is there a cultural context that we need to there's so many further questions that have been asked, not that they weren't being asked and published before in, in those mm-hmm. in those time frames, but like I think even with greater fervor, frequency, and intensity during our lifetime. So I don't know, just it It is one of those things where it feels like from a certain standpoint to look at it and think about what you were saying about the fear mongering and the culture warring and all this kind of stuff saying, hey, like there's this agenda. Things are going to change. They're going to try to do X, Y, Z, like to some degree, like looking around practically, it feels like things have changed a lot.
2: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So for the listener who is just entering into this conversation, obviously anybody who lives, especially in the West, has been exposed to sexual ethics. Um, but if we would put a, a definition around it, how would, how would we define sexual ethics?
0: Well, it, rather than, hey, here, let me open the dictionary and give you the definition, i just like invite the listener to consider that every culture, every society, and I think every individual would— think that there is certain sexual activity that is off limits.
1: Yeah, the parameters we put around human sexuality. Yeah. The the rules and the
0: parameters that dictate human sexuality. So how do we construct that both individually and as a society, which as we'll talk about is super complex and challenging. Mm Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, to start off, I mean, there's some very basic things that almost everybody agrees on. But certainly, I would say everybody reasonable worth engaging agrees on is things like rape, for example. Rape is wrong. Therefore, you know, (laughs) consent, sexual (laughs) ethic.
1: Not, Not some wild people online. Yeah, there's everybody who's reasonable would say, yeah, like, clearly there are things that are wrong. Harming others. Yeah. Obviously is wrong. Like taking somebody against their will. And engaging in sexual behavior with them. That is wrong. 100%. Yeah. And nobody who you want to engage with is gonna be like, Well, let's let's think about that.
0: Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then obviously, like there's age of majority stuff that comes into that as well here in the States, right? Like there's um, what? Age of majority. So like activity with a child, off limits. Okay. For sure. I,
1: when you say the age, I think I don't know, age of majority. Yeah, like there are definitely yeah, like who's a age minor barriers. versus who is
0: not a minor sure. and like that, well, and just like, and that comes yeah,
1: into it like age gaps at a certain point particularly in different levels of like
0: maturity mm-hmm. so you have a scriptural sexual ethic which is god gets to define the human person and what he created and gets to define where sexuality is rightfully expressed righteously expressed and where mm-hmm. it is it's expressed unrighteously, right? In a way that sure. is against his design, that is sinful, that is unethical. Mm-hmm. But in the broader culture, kind of the movement towards liberation, pleasure Quite forward, forward yeah. pot, you know, yeah, sex positivity, things like that, like there is much more of a reliance on this idea of consent mm. as really the yes and no of sexual ethic
1: well yeah you when you brought that up to me you sent me your little like your treatise and your little theses on doing this episode yeah like i was like i i completely agree i feel like the do no harm and consent are really like the two really kind of sole things out there if we want to say like the sexual the, the rather the secular sexual ethic are don't harm people and consenting adults or consenting people of a similar age, even.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. You you hear the phrase between two consenting adults all the time. Yep. Sure. All the time. Who are you to say anything about what happens between two consenting adults? Like that's, that is the, that's been a mantra for decades. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, especially recently, it's really kind of codified around this, this definition. And um, obviously like in a Christian worldview, like which is a, a loaded phrase, <laughs> which was when,
1: when I hear people say that, I go, Oh boy, what are they gonna say? I know, so right? that even when I hear,
0: <laughs> I know it, we've become uh. so. I have, have to be careful not to always, you know, guilty by association stuff, but yes, um, I feel that. And if you listener feel that as well, we empathize, but yeah, like thinking things through a traditional sexual Christian sexual ethic, it's almost like before you talk about well, what's, what's the view on homosexuality? What's the view on gender identity? What's the view on monogamy? Yeah. All of these other hot social topics, you know, Mm -hmm. that people are like, Hey, let's, let's talk about this. Let's wade into this. We don't want to shy away from that. Like these are the substantive things being talked about in culture where, you know, people are having to engage, but we felt like to do that, it's necessary first to kind of start here. Because, like, if you don't start thinking about how do we even decide what is right or wrong when it comes to sexual activity, how do you engage any of these other topics? Yeah, I think there's a lot, and, and I
1: want to even broaden it more. And and I'm sure we'll we will return in addition to what is right, what is permissible, what is good to engage in sexually, and what is best to avoid. I also think it's important to talk about like how, like, what are our attitudes? Not just, Mm -hmm. can we, can I do that? Can I engage in that thing? Can I do that thing? It's like, how do I approach that? How do I, what should my heart be? What should my mind be? Like, what are Mm. my attitudes and how do I view it? How important is it to me? How, yeah. What place does it hold in my life? Stuff like that as well. Mm. Because I think it's easy to kind of keep, and I think there's a lot of unhelpful. It, this is an important thing. Like some of the things that we're going to talk about this episode and in the future, like these are important topics. If God says you should not engage in X, Y, Z sexual behavior because it's not right and it will harm you and it will harm others, you should not engage in that. But, right. um, but with, because of the culture war, rather, it's easy to kind of only think about those things. Yeah, and to really kind of make your whole deal, gay is good, gay is bad, sure. Porn is fine, porn is the worst thing ever. Like whatever it is, like it's easy to kind of make the yes or no, can I do that, your main thing, and that's it. And I I really think that kind of like misses the whole person. Like that's not really like engaging like the heart of people. Like that's just yeah. kind of like the the rules, and and the rules are not unimportant. Right, right. right. I just don't
0: only on that. I think some of the challenge in this one is that when you engage from a here's what the bible says kind of framework like hey let's walk through this text like uh, let's let's look at this stuff like yeah i have bias yeah yeah like you know i'm i'm flawed and frail and human but god said something like either god said something or he didn't and sure. if he didn't well, then what is christianity and if he did then i'm pretty sure god can speak in a way that's understandable since he made language so what did he say and when you approach things that way a lot of times what ends up happening is you start realizing that like god is a liberator right like we've we've talked about this jesus mm-hmm. frees people he frees people from every form of oppression and bondage what's interesting about that then is if you believe that and you believe that the bible has in a sense these different approaches and rules on what's harmful and what's not where the the, the society would say yeah that's a allowable that's cool good and the bible bible would say eh, not so much then what you what you have is it looks like the the scripture is binding you mm. this where the society is saying you're free sure
2: that's interesting that's really interesting.
0: but the reality is the scripture's coming along and saying well what society calls liberation is not all liberation like it actually can be oppression it can be bondage it can be harmful the trouble though with that message and in one of the ways i think this discussion i don't want to bring everything back to race but i think that these things are tied together and i think culturally historically right we have saw that that was the case in the emergence of the culture war that the sexual revolution and race was tied together uh that was mm-hmm. the case in the 1800s as well with the abolitionist movement. Um, It Mm -hmm. also got lumped in with the feminist movement at that time. So this is a historical reality as well. But I think it's somewhat of a theological reality that the church has discredited itself in some ways in saying, hey, that looks like liberation, abolition, but it's not because this is what God's designed role is for these people. Mm. And we saw that used in a way that was for greed for um, personal gain, for the exploitation of human beings, for the destruction of the image of God. Sure. And honestly, for the dishonor of God's name, that same message, Hmm. what the world calls liberation is not liberation. And in that case, they were wrong. You know, what was actually liberation was the liberation that Christ would offer for a human being, right? Um, And so now we come with this message in this instance, when it seems like, yeah, this is really what the like this is really the, the Bible's message here, and I feel like the culture is is saying, well, this sounds a lot like when you said that last time
2: yeah so so let me put a voice to it uh, at you know me dissenting voice. yeah, so I hear you say this, and in my mind, I say, okay, freedom is no restrictions. Mm-hmm. And so if you're telling me that Christ's, Christ's sacrifice and everything that he's done and said and everything that's been established is freedom, it frees me to be able to live my life, at least in, in, in the sexual ethics sense, however I want, mm-hmm. then when you tell me that there's something I can't do, and I didn't decide that I can't do that, something beyond me and above me, you're saying decided I can't, then how am I to translate that to freedom when that sounds like just a different kind of restriction?
1: That whole idea, like we've talked about this, the idea of freedom, no rational, reasonable person is like, the freedom I want is literally anything goes. Like they make they we got like five or six purge horror movies exactly about that. <laughs> like like you're like, free. Man. <laughs> like would you want, Vince, you uh you got a remote job now. Congratulations, by the way. Thank like, you. but if you were commuting to work, would you want everybody to have perfect freedom on the roads to do whatever they wanted with their vehicle? Like that's not like somebody can say that angrily on social media, like I want freedom, like do, yeah, like yeah. like, and I'm not saying that's not a reasonable thought to have at some point, but like we can't have a functioning society, and if our actual goal is human flourishing, if like total end, incompl- then like somebody's free to have sex with your child, then like that's no, like nobody wants that.
0: That's crazy. Mm,
2: yeah, yeah, and I think that some people probably say okay. Those are the extremes. If we're talking about something that is non-consenting or something that is uh, not of uh, like a minority or something or a, a minor, um, then <laughs> Sorry, not a minorities. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but a minor, then <laughs> sure. Those are those are kind of on the fringe. So people would say, okay, don't go to the extremes to try to justify the restrictions. What about just like like Trev said, between two consenting adults, there's – your God can't tell me that there's anything I can't do if both of us agree. I think well, that's –
1: Even in then, I don't know. Well, I, I think I'm, that's – Go
2: ahead.
0: That's kind of our, the whole point of the episode in a way is, is to talk through some of that because right. this is an approach that people have chosen as their total sexual ethic. Consent and it's not just the onus on us to to say oh well here's here's why you should follow the bible versus that like it's it's really about also you know the person who takes that ethic themselves recognizing the merits and demerits of that as a sexual ethic as a totalizing moral framework
2: absolutely and i think it's it's fair to At least make the distinction, because this is one thing that really that I get really fired up about um, is the application of the Christian sexual ethic, Um, because Mm -hmm. Christians have a sexual ethic that is informed by Scripture, by Christ and his word. And then obviously we have the world who does not submit to the words of God that have their own sexual ethic that they operate off of. And we recognize that, but my my encouragement to myself and other believers is: we're making that distinction is actually fair, because if we are approaching a non-believer with a Christian sexual ethic, we're expecting them to obey the words of God when they haven't submitted to God. And so, my 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 theme, I guess, or or my approach is. To first approach the individual, I'm not necessarily going to affirm their ethic, but what I am going to do is approach them with the gospel, because I feel like how can you submit to the Lord when you don't recognize Him as Lord?
0: Yeah, Um, I I hear you on that, and I and I there's kind of a lot in there at once, and not exactly. Yeah, there's it's huge. Um, I think from an individual perspective. I agree with you, and i've heard I've heard that perspective, I feel like, frequently from the church. like it's a it's a helpful distinction to make. On an individual level, it works, right? Because everything you said is true. Like what are you trying to do? like we're we're not trying to moralize somebody into a correct or um, ethical sexual behavior as a means of salvation, right? Right So we're talking about personal salvation on the individual level and our approach to people as Christians to the unbelieving world and how, how to interact with them in grace to really show them the way of Jesus and the love of Jesus. I think everything yeah. you said is, is correct. My thing is, I think when we think about Christians in society and yeah. wanting to engage in society, it gets thornier because sure. the reality is, is that there on many different issues we think that the Bible does more than just act as um, God's divine revelation to those who accept it, but it actually tells us the correct ordering of the world.
2: Mm.
0: yeah in a lot of ways. So for example, we would say that like the the people reading the scriptures and interpreting them correctly without cultural bias and applying them to their world in the 1850s, for example, they should have opposed the Fugitive Slave Act of 1855, right? For example, like that's something to get really specific. Like if you understand the function of a human being and, and what God says about them biblically, then all of these things that are, it's, that are enforcing, creating, and, and propping up these systems of human exploitation and slavery and those kind of things— We would say, Christians of this day, like, stand against that. Yeah. Like, God is against that. Scripture is against that. And so we wouldn't tell them, well, you personally, like, I mean, you're beholden to the word of God. And so, like, you don't have a slave. But, like, if society at large wants to make slavery legal, I mean, you know, unbelievers are going to unbeliever. So... You know, <laughs> okay. we just give them the gospel and let them exploit human beings however we, however they want. You know what I mean? Like, and that's where I struggle with tied.
1: that. It is very tied to the justice thing, right? Like, And it does kind of come back to how we understand these things and the true ethic of it, because a lot of people, like we said, try to function in the do no harm and appear to, especially if we're holding to a biblical se- sexual ethic, a biblical sexual ethic, rather. Are likely promoting harmful things. So, h- how do we engage that lovingly and winsomely, but also faithfully? Like, winsome is important, but that doesn't mean how can we act to get the most possible people totally affirming us and agreeing with all of our positions and thinking everything we say is awesome. Yeah. But, like, how can we be advocates for actual human flourishing? Yeah. Like, just like with the justice topic, like if people were, and I mean, there are a lot of resources we've shared. I don't know what we want to get into in our remaining time here, but throughout the ages and, and now people are are groaning, people are, are harmed, people are lonely, people are confused sexually. and And if we do have the revelation of God, how can we responsibly, lovingly, like be salt and light, be the hands and feet of God, show people, hey, like it isn't just anything goes, but god God does have something to say, and, and his way is best and and not like we're gonna just full on like all we want to do is proselytize and have you do things our way, but like we, we think we have something that will be what is best for you,
2: yeah, you know some thoughts that come to my mind is one kind of this understanding of how. God uses language in, in Scripture when a when husband and wife, like when Adam and Eve, um, like knew each other, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, And so it's not that God was scared to say they had sex, um, <laughs> but there, there was an implication there of something that was deeper than just a physical act. There was something yeah. going on in that moment that was that goes beyond just doing something, right? And then we, we look at that language throughout scripture. And so there's a deep implication that there's something way deeper going on with this particular act. And then yeah. we juxtapose that to sexual liberation and second wave and all of these kinds of things. And the results of that have been very empty in even in what uh, the article that you referenced, Trev, um, how the results of a lot of the sexual liberation movement has led to a complete and utter dissatisfaction with what sex actually is today. And so in our in our conversation, we're saying, okay, God is talking about something that's going beyond the sexual act and that is actually deep and intimate and knowing. And then what we're seeing lacking in a lot of the results of the sexual liberation is something deep and and knowing and and beyond the act. And yeah. it's like, okay there's an area where it seems like the word of God addresses something that the world seems to be missing. Which is
1: why I wanted to hit on like our our attitudes and our, uh, I guess, theology or philosophy of sexuality and not just what can we do and what can't we do? Because that's the sort of thing that will heal bodies and souls and heal relationships and, and set people up for lives of, fulfilling relations and and nobody's perfect. Like mm-hmm. it, it's not saying like, you'll never make any sexual mistakes ever. And like, if you do make a sexual mistake, you're broken and you're da 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 da. No, but like, these are the attitudes, like God's principles are what we should be aiming for and living in. And yeah. when we are living in those, we will be healthy and well, and those around us will be blessed. Mm.
0: Yeah. And I think, Going, going back up a level for a second, like to maybe if somebody's hearing this and they're still not like, whoa, like we really jumped into God's principles and stuff all of a sudden, which maybe isn't anybody, but I, I do think of it, you know, Vince, coming from like an apologetic perspective, it's almost that tension between, you know, well, you, you have to step on the lens of faith to be able to understand versus the apologetic, the evidentialist apologetic which kind of tries to approach things through natural theology, like, it's almost the problem of all the arguments for God, right? Like, Mm. yeah, like, these are there, and and they're pretty solid arguments if you accept them. But from certain levels, if you start with fundamentally different assumptions, you can also poke holes and reject all of that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I, I feel like this, it's in in a similar vein, like we're trying to, you're trying to construct a natural theology when you're trying to do, because it's hard to do this for a secular society. What we're not trying to say is that, well, in this secular society, like, here's the accepted text for the So let's create a theocracy and we'll have the scribes and the interpreters and the super
1: duper (laughs) now. Yeah,
0: and the fundamentalists who will (laughs) interpret how this will function for society and we'll write that all into law. Right. That's not what we're that's not what we're trying to say. So then how do you approach it, like other than just letting people run wild? Like they're almost like Philip says, there has to be like a winsomeness, like what you were saying, there has to be a winsomeness of like these are natural. Like God set up the world this way, therefore when we look at the world, when we look at the data, when we look at the responses and the narratives and mm-hmm. the, the sentiments of people who don't who don't profess any allegiance to you know Jesus as God or anything, but like they are saying things that are scriptural because the scripture's approach to things since God created the world is the natural one. It is the one that exists in nature. Um, Mm. And so people are resonating with some of those truths and principles, not in a faithful way, not in a Christian way necessarily, not in a way that is ultimately, I guess, pleasing to God from that point of view, Sure, but in a way that is resonant with truth. And so it's almost in that sense that we would want to challenge the consent sexual ethic in a way that... Someone listening, no matter where what background they come from, would maybe walk away from it with questions and I think that's the way to maybe have that conversation because otherwise with in the hallmark of these conversations, our culture almost without exception is people talking past each other and not being willing to listen and as we've talked about sexual ethics internally, our fundamental problem that we're always trying to like the nut we're trying to crack is how do we talk about this in a way that is biblical faithful christian in that way that is true to us and who we are but uh-huh. also true to the podcast and the substance and what what we are in that we're inviting a real conversation
1: yeah yeah we and we want to engage not only in an echo chamber like we want people obviously primarily people of faith who are christian listen to the show but like we want any thinking person who wants to engage with us to come and not just be like theocracy like in our version of a theocracy because there's a lot of different theological points of view out there yeah
2: yeah yeah and so i i think um another question super quickly that comes to my mind another dissenting voice is i can't
1: wait for a listener or for us to make the devil's advocate, like, hat or shirt with Vince on it. <laughs> Can't wait to see that design whenever it comes. I, that will
2: be interesting to see, for sure. Uh, <laughs> but just, just trying to come in, because I, I always try to be in a position where it's like, all right, let me position myself as if I were the listener. And a person's hearing that, and they're like, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure why consent is inadequate. Because if everybody agrees, then it's okay. The point at which someone disagrees, then it's not consenting. So if you could speak to a person who's like, yo, consent doesn't seem or feel inadequate to me or in my engagement or at least on a a communal level or maybe even on a societal level, maybe they'll go that far. But they're saying consent doesn't seem inadequate. What would, what would be your response to that? I'd say like,
1: well, what, what are you shooting for? Because like, I mean, there's a lot of... Like for doing devil's advocate, there's a lot of situations where there could be consent in some pretty extreme or biblically aberrant scenarios where you could have everybody consenting. But like, yeah. does that, what if you got... 10 people all together that all want to go at it at once, like, and everybody's consenting. Like, is God cool with
0: that? Like, Well, in culture would say, yeah, well, if they're all consenting adults, that's cool. I I kind of approach it from an inherent point of view. I I think you could approach it from a sentiments point of view as well and say, well, actually, there's a lot of people who are are feeling burned by just a consent sexual ethic um, because it's not fulfilling. Mm uh um, one
1: consent can be coerced and manufactured
0: too with, so that's like, one thing power so like,
1: dynamics and yes. money and so I think, all sorts of things yes, Yeah, yeah so i think of that's girls a huge problem in high with schools consent. that have consented to do things with their underage but appropriately aged or whatever boyfriends are sending photographs and stuff like that and they've consented yes. to do it and like their regret their lies, shame some some People take, end up taking their yep. life because they consented to a thing that yeah. wasn't good for them. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think that's a really great point. Like When we say consent, one of the things—what's interesting is that, that we add the term adult a ton. And so what that automatically implies is that there are power dynamics that are necessary to consider in addition to just plain consent. Correct maturity and equity, yeah, like maturity and... and things like that but then automatically mm-hmm. what we're ruling out is the reality of the the world we live in the pressures the social pressures yeah being in a a world with the kind of pornographic and sexual material content access sure, that people that's have a huge yeah people well, just purely like a
1: man yeah. a man and a woman like Oftentimes men are more physically powerful and imposing, and sometimes they've yep. gotten women to consent. And that wasn't
0: an equal playing yeah. field. That wasn't a good thing. Like, I mean, and consent. Not to mention power in society, like access to resources, things like that. Sure. You hear all the
1: time like people in power abusing the people underneath them. Like, eh, but there's there was consent. Yeah. quote-unquote. Someone said like, yes, like,
0: yeah. So I think that's one, one liability is, um, the nature of power dynamics that come into play, uh, in consent. I think the second liability is that consent fundamentally flattens human sexuality and the human person to gatekeeping their privates. That's really it. Hey, If you, you know, open the gates to the to you know your personal areas, (laughs) green light. Close the gates, red light. Like, but to view the person as simply that, it's it's a fundamentally inadequate view of the human person, which is the sexual being. Like is a fundamentally inadequate view of the human person, which is why like when when you see people growing up in this world and like dealing with Sexual relationships uh, along this axis, they feel lonely. They feel yeah. Dude, like they don't have a close friend. They don't have the romance. They don't have intimacy. The one thing where it's
1: like, women were asked, like, what would you want more out of your partners? And like the overwhelming majority was like, care. And it's like, geez, like, yeah, they're in sexual relationships with these men who they feel completely, or not completely. I, I don't want to project. They're in but, relationships yeah. with these men, and they feel like. Across the board, the overwhelming majority, there is a deficit of care,
2: In the and not only that, and not only that, there's there are also men on the other side being exposed to that kind of content, who feel obligated to then yeah. fulfill those the things that they consume, right online sure. they then they're like there's this pressure for me to be this dominant guy who does all of this stuff yeah when all I want as a human is care and love and intimacy and romance too. Right. Yeah, sometimes yeah. Sometimes a guy just wants to cuddle. But, um, <laughs> but. No yeah. lies, true story. This is <laughs> the first
1: class version here, guys. Yes, this
2: is, <laughs> <laughs> but, you, but you can see,
0: so, like, in that discussion, what we're saying is so, uh, 100%, like, it's not that, it's not not, consent, like, consent is necessary. Is yes. a necessary condition. It's Absolutely. just not sufficient exactly. like, it, it, it never even an, touches upon things like care it is an and intimacy.
1: Isn't an essential yeah. part of the process, but it is not the entirety. It's like, all right, yeah. I want a birthday cake. Here's a pile of flour. It's like, no, that's an important category. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, that's not all I want.
0: Exactly, exactly. And so I feel like when you have something like the scriptures that does address the entire human person, that it addresses them as a human soul, not just a body with parts that someone might want access to for their yeah. pleasure or someone, someone to like be known. Yes. A, a, a person and like, and they're, you know, as they are developing and maturing and, and, you know, becoming who they are, like all of the things that like actual sexuality is actually wrapped up in is the deep, the deep layers of, of who you are and what you desire and what, um what kind of person you're becoming as you grow up and to be known and loved for, for who you are and all of that. And like, to really experience the fullness of a relationship with security and care and comfort and, and everything. I mean, not to mention the fact that, like, the natural product of a sexual relationship is children, right? So, like, everything, there are long-lasting effects outside of the moment of consent that are completely unaddressed. Yeah. Outside of it, outside of it with a consent sexual ethic that the Bible has a lot to talk about. And has a lot to commend itself for in caring about those things. And not to mention, I'll say this too, not to mention that the Bible also allows, makes it perfectly allowable, like, sex doesn't have to be the center of somebody's life. Our culture makes everything, like, it's so unnatural unless you are, like, a completely, like, sexual being with all these sexual relationships. But, like, Scripture has a lot to say about folks who
2: forego that part. Yeah. Yeah. Paul even commends it. Right. Right. Exactly. So uh, last, last interjection from the dissenting voice, (laughs) you said all of this. Okay. It's hitting a bit, but what you're saying is if there's a whole person to know, and there's a deeper level of intimacy beyond just a physical act, that's going to make my, my ability to be able to go from partner to partner difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I I see that as a restriction because it's like life tells me and society tells me that you know one night stand I'll just get get in where I fit in and then I'll move on and you're telling me that to engage in that in in a in a way that doesn't seek to know that person is actually falling short of what that act actually is designed for so if a person says. Because of that, I oppose because I'm not able to to engage in the way that um, knows people or any any of that kind. What would you what 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 would be your response to that?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, is it a res- is it a restriction that you can't? I don't know. Like if you're wanting to play the upright piano, that you can't just open the lid. And blow into it like you're trying to play a saxophone and it make and it not make music. Is that a restriction? No, that's, right. not, that's not what it was made for. Interesting analogy. That's <laughs> not what it was made for. The saxophone was made that way, and you can't just bang on it like, you know, keys or whatever, um, because it's not what it was made for. What I'm saying is because, because you can't do that, no one would call that a restriction. You're, if, and if you were trying to, use the instrument in that way it would be a freedom for you to learn the correct way to play it so that you can make music right because ultimately
1: like this is all presupposed on the fact that like god made us and he has given us insight as to how to live in a way that is like in accordance with his will which accords to like thriving
2: yeah. So yeah, like, ultimately, what I'm hearing is there is freedom in the confines of the design. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so,
0: what it's for. Like, that's it. Whenever you design something, it there's, you know, in design, parameters are essential. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> like it, a thing is not everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and so, when it's like, yeah, well, I can't do this. Well, yeah. Like, and when you don't and you pursue the thing you were designed for, you will find better fulfillment and joy. It might not feel that well, way initially. And, and that's
1: the thing. Everybody from is a societal seeking, level. Yeah. Everyone is seeking
0: want. fulfillment.
1: Mm, and if, if yeah. we and we are trying to say, hey, like, I think really God has spoken. And and if we're to believe that He's real, then like if what you want is fulfillment and you're trying all these things, maybe let's look at
0: the manual. Yeah. And a and a certain way of speaking for sure. Like God is God is talking about, you know, he's offering out, he's holding and there's grace too. Like this. It isn't like you have to do like this isn't anybody beating you over
1: the head, but like there's
0: well, you see people like
1: everybody agrees. Like there are things that are good and there are things that are not good. And if we're saying, Hey, like I want to truly be fulfilled, and and our job isn't to like proselytize everyone to live sexually the way we do. Yeah. (laughs) Like but we need to understand it and then, like, be be witnesses with our lives. Yeah,
0: I you know I I just read this. I'm looking at this Atlantic article which we're gonna link, um, which says like these young people pine for romance and intimacy experiences that require the full and enthusiastic participation of another human being. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> That's what the Bible talks about. It's <laughs> really heartbreaking. Like, yeah, you know, and and um, but it's not. It's not what a what our culture would call sexual liberation view of things, and and it's not that the sexual liberation movement in every scenario is, is incorrect. There are things about what they are calling out as oppression, which I think the, there are cases in which, yeah, we could look biblically and say, yeah, there is some oppression going on there. Yeah, there are some things that God wouldn't smile on and say, yeah, that That's just getting. We talked
1: about that a lot before on the podcast. Like the Me Too and the Church do overlap. There is a lot of bad stuff. that like the church, like people who have used their spiritual platform to promote.
0: And not everything about gendered expectations or things like that, or ways that the, the society practiced it, is explicitly biblical and good and healthy. And so there are. I'm not trying to call out an entire movement in in one thing necessarily, but just to say it's really interesting when we take a biblical perspective, we start to see hints and answers if we approach it, not with the culture war bias lens, but really trying to see what is the whole human person in the society and the relationship that God is inviting people into.
2: Yeah. And I, I want to take a, a quick sidebar to address other believers who do seek to obey the things of the word and, you know, get married to their husband or wife. And there's also, because I know that there's a lot of literature out in the Christian area that it, it assumes that the act of sex it, because you're a christian is just going to be absolutely 100% mm. the best every single time every all day long and yes. it dismisses this idea <laughs> That's that this. the one That's the church your
1: guys's experience?
2: <laughs> yeah, that the church is in 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 a lot of ways affected by the world but At the Mm -hmm. same time, humanity Uh is still a part, broken humanity is still a part of this marriage. So we're not saying if you become a Christian, it's all going to be like a 10 every single day, every single time. No, what we are saying is it provides a better framework to bring things to a point of health and satisfaction.
0: Yeah, and and to just underscore what you're saying there, like I think the scripture itself would would suggest that. I th- I think so many times where we have those false promises because of the sexualization of culture infiltrating the church and being baptized and written in the guise of I'm gonna say it, biblical manhood and womanhood. Sure, one hundred percent, and ain't all biblical. Uh, there's there's some wild stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a start. You know, like I I think if people are willing to rock with us on, you know, Hey, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a believer even, but like, yeah, I can see that maybe there's some gaps as far as a moral framework on what is ethical and not in sex, but beyond consent, then, you know, maybe when we address some future stuff too,
1: that uh, you'd be able to say, so the substance is not pivoting into a sex podcast, but, on the future topics, <laughs> let us know. We've we we we've got an internal Never. list of different aspects we want to hit. If there's a particular question or thing, hey, like, I'd love to hear, like, biblical reflections or, like, you guys tackle a certain thing. Like, let us know. We want this Definitely podcast to be of, of value to the folks listening. But we've got a okay, hope. I'm really excited for some of the interviews, hopefully, if we can land some of these. But it's, it's a huge topic. It's yeah. um, certainly not. The expert of experts on it, but no. we wanted to kind of lend our uh lend our voice and not not just stay out of it because it's like, oh, like when you get into it, you're into it, Trolls. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I've gotta pull back on the social media i'm I'm just gonna be blocking
0: relentlessly <laughs> yeah, it's social media is such a quagmire um but yeah, I mean, there's so much here, identity, gender orientation. And I I think And even within marriage, I've seen a ton of
1: confusion. Like what's permissible within marriage between a man and a woman? Like there's our culture is very broken and confused.
0: It's true. And 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 very sexualized um, on top of all of it. You know what I mean? Like just very like that's the other thing is almost like way overhyped on this topic. It's true. Yeah.
2: That's true.
0: Anyway. That's the kind of stuff that you can expect here on the substance if you I just want to make all these episode. biblical
1: manhood jokes over
0: here. <laughs> if this is your
1: first episode, welcome. Yeah, love it. I mean, this, is a, this, is, this is a topic I imagine that may uh, pique people's interest more if they see some of their friends
0: sharing it. They'd be like, ooh. Spice of meatball. <laughs> <We> got... <laughs> all right, let's get to these shout outs. <laughs> yeah, we man. do the we shout make outs. Substance shout outs. Um, and Philip's going to lead it off. <laughs>
1: All right, substance shout-outs. What we have been finding enjoyable or edifying. This one's more enjoyable. Um, so for me, my shout out this week is I want to shout out a new, a new ish television show. The first, I don't know if it's a, a mini series or seasons. Uh, I think it might be a mini series here. It's on FX. It's called The Patient. It's had a ton oh, of uh, yes. viral marketing. So elevator Sheesh. pitch is Steve Carell is a psychotherapist who's kind of going through some loss and he has a patient coming to his office talking about some dark urges. And then uh, later on the next day, he finds himself kidnapped by this guy saying, Hey, like I kill people and I want to stop killing people and you're my prisoner and like, help me stop killing people. And it's a very ethically interesting, thrilling, like twists and turns. It's not finished yet. So I don't know if they're going to stick the landing, but it's been enjoyable and like, it is popcorn enough to be fun and, like, twists and interesting stuff, but it yeah. is also, like, substantive enough to kind of engage, like, some interesting ethical questions. So, the patient on FX with uh, Steve Carell and Donald Gleason.
2: Nice. Hey, hey, I'll jump in. Um, you know, your boy always want to bless your playlist. Uh, uh, so, we are we're going it. back underground.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and... I uh, uh, would like to say,
0: we're riding the subway again.
2: Right, Exactly. Oh, side, sidebar. I did watch Morbius trash. Um, <laughs> yeah, is that surprising? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, you, to bless you, you occasionally give us the non-substance shout out so it makes me laugh every time he's very uh, wrong
1: about malignant but he looks very right about morpheus
2: <laughs> yo malignant was also trash i will stand by that to my dying day um okay but let me bless your playlist uh i want to bless your playlist with a young lady who whose name is gwen bun g w e n B-U-N-N. She's got a song called Waste Time. It's not what you think, though, because she doesn't want to. And it's a great song. The, the 808 that she has on there, the melodies that she does... The message of it is, is, is decent, it's, you know, general, um, but it's, it's just a very enjoyable song. Um, even if you're just listening to it past time, not really deep into the lyrics, it's just a fun kind of soulful kind of song to listen to. So if you have the time, um, no, no, no words are in there, so anybody can listen to it. Oh, interesting. Um, it's called Waste Time by Gwen Bunn. If you got the time, waste it with Gwen.
0: <laughs> Classic. You know, mine's kind of a music one too. Uh, recently, I've been listening to a lot of Apple Music Radio episodes, and they've got a uh a show called After School Radio, and they recently had uh, Death Cab for Cutie on, which was like just a kind of nostalgia trip, uh, blast from the past. And they kind of talk on there on say the name of this again, Trev. I'm sorry. After School Radio. There's an episode on uh, Apple Music Radio, and um, they did an episode with Death Cab for Cutie. And, um, you know, he kind of talked about how, like, he thinks that, like, music in an album is almost like a vehicle for time travel, which I thought was an interesting and somewhat Nolan-ish concept. Because you know, in a very similar way that that Nolan finds like film as a as a vehicle for time travel. But anyway, then I listened to their album Transatlanticism, and so it it definitely that
1: makes me time travel. Yes, for sure. When I it did. To
0: it. So um, you shout out, shouts to that album. Some shout out on Transatlanticism. What a good seamless album. Is that a one of my favorite? No, it's not. It, you have it's to have Apple video. Music to get to it. Uh, okay, word. But shout out to the album as well, Transatlanticism. Um, that's a great album. It's like, I think it next year will be its 20th, uh, 20th year. Wow. So you go. Know, so shout out. I
1: might go upstairs and start spinning that on vinyl right
0: now. Oh, like, do you have uh, it on vinyl? Yeah. Dude, that's great. What a great album.
1: What a great album it's to have on vinyl.
0: Good. Shouts to your There's- taste. There's a number
1: of those right that like, round, I put on, there's a number of those that I put on and I'm like, I'm back in high school and it's pretty rad.
0: Yep, yep. That's that's basically one of them.
1: Uh, also, I want to say yeah. shout out to uh, Vincent Edwards and all of our uh, new YouTube subscribers. We will work on getting some original right. video content up there at some point. Right now it's just... Um, you can listen to the podcast with, like, the little wave effect. Um, yeah. But, but nothing. shout out to TLA. Almost nothing. doubled our YouTube audience. So we will, uh, we will work on getting you some
2: content at some point here. Love it. Shout out to TLA and uh, his supporters he's getting close to 200 K. So, um, wow. Super funny, super engaged. Nice. Um, the dude is hilarious for a 20 year divorce attorney. Um, he, he makes content that it's like, <laughs> this should be a TV show. So a uh, shout out to him and his audience. Cause that's what really, uh, got us, uh, sparked it, got us some, some followers. Nice. Cool.
1: You guys know the drill, but if you're new and you don't, uh, the substance is brought to you by you, the listeners. And if this is something that you like or find a value, we love it. If you threw a little bit in our digital tip jar, you can do that on Cash App at Dollar Sign The Substance Pod or. If you really love us and want to join us supporting, you can do that in the anchor link and the show notes are on the website. It's 5 or $10 a month. It's extremely helpful. we got websites. We're maybe going to do some merch here. There, there's a lot of stuff. And giveaways. I know we still owe you a giveaway. Hopefully by the time you're hearing this, we maybe have done a giveaway for getting 100 reviews, but we always love doing stuff for you guys. So if that's something you want to join in on, um, we'd uh, love
2: to have you. The episodes, the blessed playlist, support page, email, anything that you want to do to get engaged with us or directly engage us. You can visit us at the Our homepage has all our socials. Um, click on those, follow us and engage with us on the substance I had a friend of mine
0: the other day. Tell me I was talking about <laughs> Uh, all the places that the substance is available. And he's like, I just go listen to it on the substancepod.com on the website.
1: Nice. Oh for real. Cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was
1: how I started listening to podcasts before. Like yeah. I knew how to like get my iPod plugged in and download yeah. it on iTunes and transfer it to my iPod. Yeah, I used to it. just stream it off people's books. He's... That's the best.
0: Leave some comments. There you go. And uh, call our voicemail line, 913 703 3883. Zero the voicemail because it's 2022. So, I mean, you already knew that. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. <laughs> the Substance Pod at gmail.com is our email address. And we love it when our listeners write to us. My name's Trevor. And I'm Philip. And I'm Vincent. And we're very glad you joined us this week. Excited to see you next time
1: on The Substance we yep. <laughs> it probably is a good thing to record this it, podcast, it is a <laughs> podcast. If, if we're gonna yeah. be here together in podcast <laughs> generally short podcast recording <laughs> is a good <laughs> idea well hey we get to uh knock out our uh, b-reel right at the top there that's perfect
0: <laughs> My favorite is when we call out the B-roll every time we do it.
1: Hey, man, I'm, I'm helping you out as your audio. Uh, yeah. B-roll tag. listen to it. Yeah. I just always, I mean, just I'm just giving you options. You I'm giving you options. <laughs> you give me options. Just, do you not like it I when I say stock that? Stock options. I just cut it out. Well, yeah, I would hope so.